Welcome back, my fellow creatives. I went to my library for this week's podcast of You've Got Five Pages to Tell Me It's Good to find if one of those westerns that my librarians keep ordering could indeed, in five pages, tell me it's good. But there were no westerns this week. I was determined, however, to pick something out of my comfort zone, something I had never gotten before. And I think I have it. Now, granted, it is still a mystery. And yet, it is a mystery the likes of which I have never read. The author's name is Deborah Blake, and the title is Doggone Deadly. It's a pet mystery. It is. Hang on, make sure I get the the series right. Um, it is a cat skills pet rescue mystery. And just looking at that, and I just I chuckled to myself. And yet there are a lot of different series of animal-related mysteries. And I grew up on Scooby-Doo. My daughter loves Scooby-Doo. And I thought, you know what? Okay, it's not like there's talking animals, but still, let's let's have a little fun. Let's just see how this kind of series goes through. And maybe, maybe I like it. I don't know, but that's the thing about picking a book from a new release library shelf being a picky reader and writing, working writer myself, you don't have time to waste, nor do you have a whole lot of money to waste. And so why not use your local library to just give books a try and just see like, hey, maybe I will like this writer. Maybe I will like this series. Maybe I will like this new little subgenre. So this is my moment to try this little subgenre to see if in five pages, this approach to mystery writing fits my picky tastes. All right, here we go. Chapter one, which is already refreshing because how many past episodes have I had where there were at least one prologue, if not three. So I like that we can just start with chapter one. I appreciate that. (sighs) Okay. Quick, hide me, Suze said as she ran into the large white tent. Carrie Stewart looked up from where she was positioning a freestanding wall featuring pictures of animals currently up for adoption at the Serenity Sanctuary, almost dropping the display on her foot. Carrie wasn't sure what amazed her more, that her best friend, who was six feet tall with spiky lavender hair, thought she could actually hide behind five foot six brown haired Carrie, or that there was something Suze could feel the need to hide from at all. They'd been friends since grade school, and as far as Carrie knew, Susie wasn't Suze, I'm sorry, Suze wasn't afraid of anything. Is there a demon chasing you? Carrie asked. Okay. Shifting from one side of the hinged board so the whole thing was more stable. They were on the park-like grounds of the two-year state college in Perryville, not far from their hometown of Lakeview, for the annual Tri-County Kennel Club show. Suze was a member of the local kennel club, one of three clubs putting on the event. 
Hence the name Tri-County. Okay. Now, moving forward. <laughs> and she'd been roped into taking on the coordinator role when someone else backed out at the last minute. In turn, she'd persuaded, okay bribed, Carrie into helping by giving her the chance to have a fundraising and awareness raising booth for the shelter. Worse, Suze said as she ducked behind one of the two long folding tables covered with white cloths. You haven't seen me. You don't know where I am. A pile of adoption application forms on top of the table quivered, threatening to topple over into the volunteer sign-up sheet next to them. The setup was fairly simple, in part because it had been thrown together quickly, and in part because AKC rules said that no unregistered dogs could be allowed onto the show grounds. That meant Carrie had only been able to bring photos of the dogs they currently had up for adoption, along with two metal cages, now perched atop the table not lined with application and information sheets, holding four adorable kittens each. A third cage held a half-grown black kitten named Queenie, who was definitely not up for adoption since she belonged to Carrie, or vice versa. It was often hard to tell. Queenie had insisted on coming along, so she was currently lounging on a cat bed, supervising Carrie as she arranged the rest of the displays. Miss Stewart, a piercing voice said as a statuesque and well-preserved woman in her mid-sixties strode into the tent as if she owned it. I am looking for Suzanne. Have you seen her? Apparently not, Carrie said, suddenly understanding why her friend was hiding behind a table. Is there anything I can help you with, Mrs. Weiner? Olivia Weiner was well known in Lakeview, and probably admired and dreaded in about equal measure. Not only was she the president of the Garden Club, the Literary Book Club, and the Kennel Club, but her husband, Jack Weiner, had a used car empire that stretched over a half a dozen counties. <sighs> Don't worry, keep going. Olivia, with her professionally cut and dyed blonde hair, piercing hazel eyes, and the perfect figure, maintained with rigorous dieting and the religious use of a personal trainer, appeared in all of his ads along with her purebred dogs. She was wearing a floral skirt and jacket suit that had designer written all over it, a sharp contrast to Carrie's jeans and t-shirt. No doubt Olivia achieved many good things with all the committees she worked on, but Carrie had always found her a little intimidating. For goodness sake, Olivia said, looking around the tent with a disapproval radiating from her rigid posture. I can't imagine why the show committee agreed to allow this. As you may know, I voted against it. She frowned at the donation jar on the end of one table and the pictures of three grinning pit bulls, an elderly beagle with lopsided ears, and some sort of poodle schnauzer wandering hound mix. Why, most of those dogs aren't even purebred. Plus, that jar is just undignified. And what on earth are those things? She pointed at the cages as if offended by the existence of their non-canine occupants. An orange ball of fur opened its tiny mouth and let out a yawn, clearly unimpressed with this loud human. Carrie choked back a laugh and said with a straight face, Those are kittens. They're kind of like dogs, only smaller. Most people find them quite adorable. Olivia snorted. At an AKC dog show? It hardly seems suitable. 
She turned around, and behind her back, Queenie hissed. Carrie made a shushing motion. The kitten ignored her, as usual. The older woman shook her head and sighed. Well, it's done now. What isn't done, unfortunately, are half the tasks your friend Suzanne was supposed to have taken care of before we opened the gates in 30 minutes. Olivia waved a clipboard through the air, as if to prove her point. The show judges will be arriving any minute now, and there are no water bottles in their tent. What kind of an impression is that going to make, I ask you? We have been hosting this show for over 30 years, and we are renowned for our hospitality. Let's, let's, let's finish this page and then have some thoughts. I'm sure Suze is doing her best, Mrs. Weiner, Carrie said. After all, she just got handed all this extra responsibility two days ago. Well, I don't have time to look for her, Olivia said, straightening her jacket. I am being interviewed by the local paper, then recording a video for one of my husband's commercials, and I need to walk around and make sure everything looks just right. If you see her, tell her that all the remaining items on this checklist need to be completed immediately. She shoved the clipboard in Carrie's direction. And remind her that I will get be at her tent to get Snowball's final grooming in exactly one hour. She took one last look at her expensive watch and stalked out. Oh my heavens. Okay. Let's, let's pause for a moment. Woo! That's that's four pages in. Let's let's reflect on what we've got. Um well we we certainly have Oh, this story just reminds all I could think of was Babysitter Club. It there's something very very flat about stereotypes. And I know stereotypes are so easy to use in writing, especially since, you know, I'm going to gauge. I'm just double checking. Um, but no. Oh, well then. It, like, I can almost understand a stereotype, almost, when that person's just body fodder. Uh, we see that a lot in like slasher movies or horror movies or even in mysteries where you have to have the typical bad guy. He's very extreme and nobody likes him. And then he's murdered in 10 minutes. Okay. But no, this isn't our murder victim in the making. This because there, there's a murderer at this show, uh, according to the back of the cover. But th that's how this person is written. And the constant drops of, she's got expensive things on. I, I we, we didn't need that constant. I, like the expensive watch. Yeah, I get it. I would assume someone who is wearing an outfit that screams designer all over it would have an expensive watch. They're, This feels like we're just getting, ugh. I don't want to say lazy because chances are there's quite a few members of, there's, this is a town after all, and 
town characters, you have to be able to sum them up pretty quickly so that uh, with, with a few standout traits so that a reader can tell them apart as they are meeting other members of this community. I get that. I think that is important. You have to have some standout traits. So having the loud, obnoxious snob, okay. I, I appreciate that. And using the conflict between the snob and the best friend as a way to introduce both makes sense. And we did start this first chapter with action which you know me, I love that. I love how we start a story with movement, with things actually happening, not just being told stuff. And I'm gonna say this of Deborah Blake, she is doing her bestest to balance exposition and action. I feel like a like page two, I wasn't real keen on how we interrupt the act of hiding the friend with describing the cages, but I can also appreciate Blake wanted to better establish this tent scene, this tent setting, I should say, before the snob shows up. So I get that. And the exposition only usually lasts like one paragraph, maybe two at the most. Okay, good balance there, balance of action and exposition. So we're establishing a lot, and also trying to keep things moving. Good, awesome, that's that's important pacing. But I don't know why this Olivia snob character needed so much extra detail to emphasize just how snobbish she is. And there are things that she is saying in here that I just don't feel, Oh, maybe an actual snob would say them, but they do not feel like real lines of a human. Um, like when she says to Carrie regarding this tent about shelter dogs, which frankly, I'm still trying to understand why this person would be against a shelter tent. I mean, I I can understand being snobby about having purebred dogs. I get it. But considering no dogs from the shelter are being judged, no dogs from the shelter are even on the premises. I'm under I'm still trying to understand this woman's logic of not wanting a shelter tent there because if anything a shelter tent promotion would make her look even better to a community. See, I guess that's the thing. I'm it's it's as if this character is saying and doing things solely to make sure readers hate her and that other characters are right to not like her. But considering what this character likes, which is clearly attention, which is clearly dogs, this kind of shelter tent would actually meet those needs. Oh, look at how this event is encouraging them, helping the little people with their lesser animals. But like she could still fawn over herself and get all sorts of praise. 
And if anything, that would make us hate her even more because it's like she didn't put any work in, but she can get all the credit for it. Why on earth wouldn't we take advantage of that? I Rather than just go, as you may know, I voted against it. And I know I'm, I'm getting a little rambly here, but I guess having read a lot of cozy mysteries in my time and, and having watched <laughs> a lot of mysteries in my time, I'll take Murder, She Wrote, I feel would fit in with, I, I grew up on watching Murder, She Wrote. And that very much utilizes that um, setup where, you know, you meet the person and, and everybody immediately dislikes them because they're doing things that just nobody likes and it makes it very clear and that's how you can bump them off but this person's not going to get bumped off i mean i guess this is the person maybe will be a suspect or we want to be a suspect but when you have a book a book is not the same as a tv show a book gives you a chance to have more fun messing around with character traits and character actions and I feel like Deborah Blake could have had a lot of fun with a snob like this, doing more with like manipulative, um, syrupy, saccharine sweetness that would drive everyone nuts, but you can't really get in their face or blame them on anything because they're just so nice about everything. By making her just in your face rude i why on anyone why on earth would anyone have relations really you know any sort of relationship with this person apart from the money it it, it just doesn't feel like a person it really doesn't and again it's not like i've interacted much with a lot of rich people to really have any sort of experience but maybe that's part of it too. This kind of person is just not relatable in any function for a reader. I mean, apart from maybe Karens you see on social media, as it were, but even those Karens don't talk like this. If anything, they are much cruder and not usually this posh. So, yeah, I'm having a problem with this character. And it's, and it's, as you could probably hear my mutterings through these first four pages, I, I had a problem with reading this. And I'm not all that stimulated or motivated to keep going. I can see just glancing at page five, that's where we get the balance of meeting and, um, establishing you know who carrie stewart is who's our protagonist so that's fine and again i've been seeing really quickly it's action on half a page and um exposition to basically establish what happened in the previous book on the other half of the page and that makes sense it's 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 still a good balance so deborah blake she knows what she's doing as far as storytelling plot goes with with pacing exposition and action with um dialogue between some characters, but if you want to write an unlikable character, you still have to make that person come off as an actual person, not as a flat stereotype. Because it's the people who have 
that more unique mix of traits as far as um, why we don't like them, but why we can't live without them. That That's going to make for a lot more of a compelling story. So, hey, if you love animal-related stories, maybe you'd still like to check out this series. The first book is called Forbidden Fatality. Forbidden is in F-U-R, Bidden Fatality. So, hey, still give it a go. If, if you love your animals and you love the animal mystery mix, this could still fit you quite well. I just, I really hope Deborah Blake um, keeps messing around with those unlikable characters to find that balance of relatability versus quick, easy stereotype traits to stand out. So that's me. Maybe we'll finally see a Western next week and I'll be even more out of my comfort zone. We'll find out. So until then, read on, share on, and write on, my friends. Cheers. <laughs>